This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. We're joined by our friend John Schindler. He's a national security columnist at The Observer. His latest piece up is America's Emerging Nationalism Crisis, up on Observer.com right now. John, great to have you. Great to be here, as always, Buck. All right, John, talk to us a bit about First off, uh, I, I have to love the Clinton campaign. I, I thought they would do this, but... Uh, Part of me wanted to believe they wouldn't be so so uh, just so obvious. Uh, Hillary Clinton is is just openly blaming Comey for her loss. Now the FBI caused Hillary to That's lose. Right. That's right. the The emerging Clintonian narrative is everything was fine until Jim Comey, the FBI director, reopened the email gate investigation. Uh, of course, this is classic Clintonian logic, where the problem isn't the laws they broke and all the bad stuff they did, institutionalizing corruption, State Department. The problem is that the FBI investigated. Um, I, look, I, I think it's pretty clear Emailgate, which I've written about for a long time, uh, did her enormous damage. I think that was the problem here. And, I, of course, Comey's reminding the public of it didn't help her, but she has to own this. This has to be something they have to eventually realize uh, is is on them more than it is on the FBI or anyone else. I, no, don't hold your breath on that happening. But that that ultimately is what has to happen here. And do you think the dynasty is over? You think the, you think the Clintons yeah. are, are are gone for good now, or are they going to make a they going to make a play for Chelsea to do something in the next few years? Oh, they they will no doubt uh, make a play for Chelsea. But I I think look, the, the Clinton brand is uh, badly tarnished across the board. I mean, a lot of folks on the left now, not without cause, think they pretty much robbed Bernie Sanders of the Democratic nomination. And of course, everyone to the right of the Clintons never hasn't liked them in a long time anyway. I, I mean, you know. Never is a long time, as I like to say, but I wouldn't want to be someone trying to push Chelsea right now as as more than sort of a, a, a you know political cabaret variety act. Um, I don't see much likes in this anytime soon. Now, you talk in your piece here uh, about about nationalism and sort of the, the clash of nationalisms that this election has brought brought to the fore. I wanted to just give you give you the the, the, the floor. Uh, to make the case about why is this exactly a sort of it, it really people have mentioned Van Jones at CNN, where I also work, mentioned yeah. a, a white lash. Uh, but there is something of a backlash to a, a sense that the left has had for a while, not just a sense, their rhetoric that America needs to be less white and enable to progress and able to progress. Rather, I mean, you see on MSNBC. You know, you, you'll see titles about the browning. This is a quote from MSNBC about how the browning of America is imminent and, and why this should be celebrated. This is dangerous stuff that the left was playing with long before the Trump election. 
Right. And uh, the left under Obama has really gone for the identity politics angle, which amounts to, you know, saying negative things about average white Americans as sort of the glue that holds their rather odd coalition together. And that hit the wall this time without Obama on the ticket. And a lot of average white Americans just had enough. Look, if you're a white college student who's been to grad school and has received critical race theory in class, uh, this seems normal. The reality is the vast majority of white Americans have not had that experience, and a lot of them want to know why it's okay for leading politicians and their celebrity surrogates to openly celebrate that white America is dying off. Um, you had Lena, Lena Dunham shortly before the election, who I think she's a lunatic, but she's a well-known Democratic surrogate, put out there a clip on social media extolling the extinction, it used the word extinction, of straight white men. How could it be possible to talk about the, you know, gleefully talking about the extinction of any group of Americans, no matter who they are? But that's what has become normative in the Democratic Party, and they pay the price for it, because most white Americans are not ebullient about they're going extinct. They're normal human beings who feel they have interests. And what has happened is after a decade now, a Democratic Party harping on identity politics, which is really a form of nationalism, that's what it really is, um, working class white Americans said, I've had enough. If blacks have group interests, if Hispanics have group interests, then so do we. And this is a genuinely radical change, and this could bring a lot of instability. Let's make this very clear. As we move away from political parties as standing for ideology to political parties standing for ethnic groups in almost a tribal fashion, our politics are probably not going to get nicer. Yeah, I mean, and Democrats have been so blatant about this for a long time as well. Yeah. We, we see anybody who belongs to one of these identity groups is considered to be that they will use language like a traitor, uh, for example, if, they, right. if a person who is a minority adheres to a non-progressive, non-leftist ideology, whether it's republicanism or libertarian or anything, uh, they are right. cast out of the group. The media treats them with with scorn and disdain. Um, and this does have consequences. I think, as, as you're pointing out in your piece, there's going to be a reaction to this. Uh, that that the Democrats right. seem to think that they could continue on forever doing this, particularly when working class whites had been a Democrat constituency for a long time. So you got the, the top echelons of the Democratic Party essentially saying working class white people are bitter clingers. Obama's guns and uh, guns and Bibles comment that sort of stuff built up. And we do see, I think, finally, the sort of boiling over of that kind of rhetoric in this election. Yeah, and of course, when Hillary went for her deplorables comment, baskets of deplorables, I, I think um, you know, working class America, especially its white part, you know, realized she was talking about them. And look, I, we're already finding out that in strategically vital swing states like Pennsylvania and Ohio, um, a fair chunk of these working class white voters who went for Trump had gone for Obama twice in previous elections. These are people who are not intrinsically racist, they really want change for reasons that we should have sympathy for. Obama didn't give it to them, they're going to give Trump a chance. Whether that will work out for them, I have no idea. It's too soon to tell. But they've given Trump that chance, and they gave him the edge in the election. And the most interesting thing is the GOP, the Republican Party, did not want to go down the road Trump did. Trump explicitly tried to get the votes of working-class whites. Mitt Romney, I'll be blunt, lost in 2012 because he would not do it. The areas of Ohio, for instance, that he lost, critically lost in 2012, possibly costing him the White House, Trump took by, by you know, percentages we haven't seen in the modern era. So 
something real happened here. The GOP was woken up against its will by Donald Trump. And as I say in my piece, he didn't just slay the Clinton dynasty, he slayed the Bush dynasty as well. Let's give the man credit. This is his first time in politics. He's made a ton of mistakes, but he took out the two political dynasties that have more or less run our national politics since the 1980s. And that is no small achievement, no matter what you think of Trump. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Whether you like him or not, it is astonishing. Whether you like I mean, you him gotta... or not, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. And this, this election matters historically. I predict this will go down like 1980 with the Reagan Revolution, like 1932 with the FDR Revolution, like 1860 with Lincoln's coming to power, leading to our civil war. Hopefully this won't lead to another civil war, but I think this election, historically speaking, may be as important as all of those and how it fundamentally changes Americans and their attitudes toward government and the political coalitions that they're willing to support. And it, it is fascinating um, is, that the GOP, after yeah. the last election, when they had their, their sort of you know, campaign autopsy, their initial reaction to what had happened was, well, we just need to get more Hispanic voters um, sure, there are some efforts here and there, and it should be noted that it was the GOP and not the Democratic Party, as, as I know you know, John, but I just think right. it's worth restating, well, that had not one but two top contender Latino candidates uh, for you know, for their nomination. It was on the GOP side that you had you know, Rubio and Cruz, and didn't really seem to make a dent at all in, in Hispanic and Latino support for the GOP. So I, I think you can at least make the case, and we can't really know because we can't run the experiment uh, in reverse or run it over again, <laughs> that that there really only were two options. Initially, the GOP in 2012 was saying, and I think this was still their preferred option, by the way, we got to win oh, more yeah. Hispanics. That's where you got Rubio and, the, and, and uh, all of a sudden his um, fondness for comprehensive immigration reform and some other senators, right. too, pushing this in the GOP. I think that that would have been a losing strategy, actually. I think the only way they win is actually to go after the white working class vote. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the, first of all, the Hispanics are no monolith. And, you know, Trump did better with Hispanics than people thought he would, given some of his rhetoric, unpleasant rhetoric about Mexicans and whatnot. He did better than I thought he would. But they're not a monolith. And Trump went down the road. The GOP has not wanted to go down, but he won with it. And the GOP has to wake up and realize that the white working class is your bread and butter now. They, they cannot be politically ignored. The Democrats paid the price for that. They paid an enormous price. And remember, I, I can't overstate what a terrible condition at a national level the Democratic Party is in. They control nothing in D.C. They've been wiped out of the state level. The, the Democrats at this point control our big cities. California and the Northeast. And that's it. They are a fringe party in a lot of the country at this point. And, you know, that's all Obama. This isn't Trump's a genius. He's not. He's not a political genius. He just figured out what would work. This is the real legacy of Barack Obama making his party extreme, making it exceptionally indulgent of identity politics that turns off a lot of working class white Americans. And that's really why Trump is president. right. Well, the, the, the part of the problem of identity politics for everybody except white people. And I have to say, I knew a lot of conservatives who were saying that Trumpism was identity politics for white people, sort of filling that hole. And, and they said that with a, yeah. a lot of scorn and disdain. Of course, there right. the, there's a sort of loud, uh, the loud sort of Internet fringe and the alt right and that. But generally speaking, you look at the white working class vote that came out for Trump that was the different that was the difference maker in this election. And are they really to be blamed or are they really to be spoken down to? Because 
the Democratic Party doesn't care about them and, and they don't get to be a part of any right. cool group that the Democrats are constantly touting as making America better or part of the new fabric of America or to, to use the MSNBC verbiage, the browning of America. Uh, right. I think it's OK for somebody who's a working class white guy in Michigan to be like, well, what about me? Is that, and, and the Democrats think that, that, me, make, that that's racist and makes them a bad person. That's that's, they're making this they, worse. They call that hate explicitly. And look, are, are there white white nationals who are complete violent lunatics? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these people exist. But there are also black nationalist lunatics and Hispanic nationalist lunatics, people who want to recreate the Aztec Empire in in the U.S. Southwest. You have new Black Panther fanatics. All nationalisms have a fanatical fringe. But that doesn't discredit the idea, for instance, that black nationalism, black identity is good, Hispanic identity is good. Why should that discredit white identity either? I mean, this is really where we're at right now. And this is all Trump. This is all what Trump has wrought. I don't even know if he understands it, frankly. It's not clear to me that he does. But what the GOP didn't want to do, he went out and did. And what happens now, of course, we've got riots all over the country, people refusing to accept Trump's legitimacy, um, which, you know, is only more grist to Trump's mill. Trump had said the, you know, the far left are a bunch of violent lunatics, and they are. <laughs> uh, you- so, you know, how, how this hurts Trump right now, I, I don't see. <laughs> Do you think the Democrats, especially as as they search for, I, I don't know who the leader of the Democrat, who the de facto leader of the Democratic Party yeah, is going agree. to be once Obama is no longer the president, right? It's it's not Clinton's right. Democratic Party anymore. I, I don't think Obama is going to be able to maintain control after eight years as president as just being the former president. So it sort of reverts to, uh, I, I don't know, the sort of Schumer, Pelosi, uh, you kind of go to the Democrat industrial complex and you have all these different people that aren't particularly charismatic and that I, I don't think have a strategic vision uh, for for their party. Are, are they going to try to turn this thing around and win back white voters? Or do you think they're going to continue with this? All I see is this was racism. Uh, when, you, when you see prominent right. Democrats, so far, both in media and in politics, right. this, this was a, a, a racism referendum is what they're really thinking the Trump victory was. That's right. And if they stick with that, they're going to destroy themselves even more. If, if they want to become what that great uh, Democratic spinmeister Paul Begala famously called a party of gays, blacks, and college professors, um, you know, go ahead. You're just not going to win any national elections anytime soon. Um, if, if they cannot figure out a way to reengage with at least a good chunk of the working class, including the white working class, they're in big trouble. The problem for them is, even though a lot of these white working class voters have voted Democrat for most of their lives, okay, let's make, this is a traditional Democratic constituency, but they have so alienated them with their sort of social justice rhetoric that they've got to dial that back. And I don't know if they can. That's the problem. This has become so internalized in how the left views America and the world. This requires them to really tamp down things they care about. So they've got a big problem on their hands. If, 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 if they want to be competitive in 2020 or in the midterms between there, they've got to stop turning off a lot of average white, working-class white Americans. It's no, I, I think any, anybody who was on the fence in, in Michigan, in Ohio, in these states, right. in Wisconsin, in these states that now are the ones that, as we know, are, are going to be determining elections for the foreseeable future, uh, Florida, right. uh, anybody in those states who see these these primarily college kids, because I've actually seen the protests, uh, <laughs> marching around – who are who are literally in tears because of the fear of transgender bathroom usage being somehow right. over, you know, not what they want it to be, whatever it is they're advocating for. I think they see that and they're like, yeah, and Barack Obama and, and the most important Democrats in the country, they totally pander to that. They, they go along with of it. Of course. Well, and to show you how, how fact-free it is, let's just take the gay issue. 
in fact, whether you like him or not, and I've never been a big fan of Trump's, but Trump is in fact the most pro-LGBT president going into office we have ever had. He is far more publicly pro-LGBT than Barack Obama was when he was sworn in in 2009. Remember how long he opposed gay marriage, at least in public? That's right. He was a traditional marriage guy. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And, you know, last night on 60 Minutes, Trump said, you know, no gay marriage settled by the Supreme Court. It's done. Trump has recently appeared in public carrying a gay, gay pride flag. I mean, I mean, what does he have to do to make people realize he isn't an ogre who wants to put, you know, gay Americans back in the closet? That is simply, no matter what you think of him, that is simply not true. There is zero evidence for it and tons of evidence that that is not at all how he feels. You know, Peter Thiel, who is, you know, real close to the, to the Trump team, openly gay. And, of course, he's been accused of being not really gay because he's pro-Trump, which I don't even know what that means. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's very, it, facts don't seem to matter here. They, they just don't seem to matter. And rather than give Trump a chance, I mean, hey, Trump may totally, you know, blow it and get impeached three months into his presidency. I don't know. It's possible. But we, we, we should give him a chance to try and be president. And the, the current antics, the street theater, the constant chance of racism are, and, and, you know, anti-gay, anti-everything are not helping public discourse. They're just not. John Schindler is a national security, uh, national security writer over at The Observer. Read his latest on Observer.com. Follow him at 20 Committee. By the way, what's what 20 Committee? Tell everybody. Where did that come from? 20 Committee was the uh, British uh, counterintelligence operation during the Second World War that uh, turned the entire German agent network in Great Britain to work for them and provided the critical strategic deception for many things, including fooling the Germans about the time and location of the D-Day landing in June 6, 1944. Pretty a cool very stuff. Very great counterintelligence success story. You got right. it. Now you know. You go. Now <laughs> knowing is half the battle. John Schindler, everybody. Great to have you, John. Hey. Thanks again. Thanks. See you soon. The Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.